This program is made possible by the giving of the God Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Hey friend, today we are going to return to the live service which we preach at Eagle Mountain International Church, which is pastored by our precious friends, pastors George and Terry Pearsons. And in the service you're going to hear today, I talk about what triggers an attack. And I learned years ago, and I learned from the Bible in Hebrews 10, verse 23, that when you've been illuminated concerning some area, it's usually followed by an attack. I don't speak that to scare you, but to prepare you. We need to know how the devil attacks. And when you have received a revelation, when you've been illuminated, he doesn't just roll over and play dead. He wants to stop you because an illuminated person is a dangerous person, but you can overcome the enemy and every attack. And I want you to order the two-part series, which is called How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubling times. You can do it. It comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone. If you think you're in a combat zone, this book will help you. The subtitle says how to survive. You want to survive? How to thrive. You want to thrive? How to overcome. That's right. You can even overcome in the midst of any difficult situation. But you can order all these things by going online or by giving us a call. And when you reach out to us, let us know how to pray for you. And if you're under attack, we will release our faith for that attack to move off of your life. But right now, let's join the service at Eagle Mountain. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. And when Nero finally stood in front of the Roman Senate, he said, how could you think that I, Nero, would burn down my beloved city? I can tell you who did this. And the Senate said, give us evidence. Who, who did this? He said, that new group in town called Christians. And he brought five allegations about Christians. And this was the beginning of Fake news. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, my friends. Number one, he said, these Christians are lawbreakers. Every time they meet in their underground meetings, it is illegal and it's absolutely the truth because you couldn't meet without the approval of the emperor and he had never given permission for them to meet. So the Christians at that time, just like Christians today, had to make a choice. Do we submit to the law of man or do we submit to the law of God? They had to make a choice. The law of man said you may not assemble. The law of God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. They had to make a choice whose law they were going to obey, and they chose to obey God's law. But by obeying God's law, it put them in opposition to man's law. Nero then said, not only are they lawbreakers, but in their illegal underground meetings, they're talking about another king and another kingdom. And of course, they were talking about King Jesus and they were talking about the kingdom of God. But by the time he was finished, he made it appear that Christians were subverters of government. 
My friends, there's nothing new under the sun. Then he said, not only are they lawbreakers and subverters of government, but number three, in their illegal underground meetings, they practice something called the love feast. Well, the love feast was a meal and it was communion. But in the mind of pagan Romans, a love feast sounded like the wildest of orgies, and he accused Christians of being sexual deviants. And so that you'll understand how bad he must have talked about Christians in this respect. Nero himself was married to two men. He was a sexual deviant accusing Christians of being sexually twisted. What in the world did he say? <laughs> then he said, not only that, Christians are cannibals. The leader of their sect, Jesus of Nazareth said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And on the basis of that, he charged Christians with cannibalism. And he was so effective in this particular charge the Christians had to fight rumors of cannibalism for 200 years. That shows the power of fake news. And last he said, I don't know why you would accuse, accuse me of burning down Rome. We should be listening to these Christians. They've been standing on our street corners declaring that one day in the future, a great judgment was coming. We should have listened because they were telling us they were going to burn down Rome. And by the time that Nero was finished, he was so effective in these allegations that the first governmental persecution was launched against the church after the great fire of Rome in the year 64. Now, if you read the book of Acts, you find there's lots of persecution, but it's not governmental persecution. It is all religious persecution. The first empire-wide persecution began in the year 64. It began in Rome, and from Rome, it went to all the major cities, including Alexandria, Antioch, and Ephesus. And Ephesus is where Timothy was pastoring the church. And suddenly, Timothy is devastated because people he thought would always be faithful are bailing and walking out on the church. These are people that he has walked, worked with for three years, some of them even trained by Paul. But their faith had never been tested by fire. And there's something about fire that really reveals the genuineness of your faith. When you've never been tested by fire, you really don't know who you are. But when you've been tested by fire, it reveals, it exposes who you are. And now thousands and thousands of people are walking out of the church and abandoning Timothy. And not only that, because Timothy is the most visible leader in the city of Ephesus, he knows the reality is at any moment there could be a knock on his own door. He could be arrested for his faith. And if they arrest him for his faith, he knows these are Romans. They will make my death horrible as an example to scare other people out of their faith. And he knows that. And Timothy is so taken with a spirit of fear that he has written a letter to Paul. Where is Paul at the time that Timothy wrote to him? Jail. Paul's in jail where? in Rome. Anybody know why Paul was in jail in Rome? He 
was not in jail as a Christian. He was in jail with the charge of arsony. They had rounded up all the Christian leaders in Rome and accused them of being the arsonists who planned the fire that burned down the city of Rome. And now Paul is sitting in a prison in Rome, not as a Christian, but as an arson. And all over the city of Rome, people are saying they've captured one of the chief arsonists. And Paul is in prison. All the fake news being circulated throughout the city. Paul can't say a word in defense of himself. And now he gets a letter from Timothy. And the letter says, Paul, I have a spirit of fear. You can't possibly understand what I'm going through. <laughs> I'm so upset. I'm so struggling. And Paul even recognizes that Timothy is crying because in verse 3 and verse 4, he says, I'm mindful of your tears. And scholars say that when he received Timothy's letter, he could see the stains of Timothy's teardrops on the letter. And Timothy is taken with a spirit of fear because of what he is looking at in his future. So Paul writes to him in verse 7 and says, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. First of all, he says that fear is a spirit. He calls it a spirit of fear, and fear really is a spirit. You can feel it when it comes into the room. Panic comes with it. Fear comes with it. It is a spiritual presence. And the word fear that is used here is the Greek word delea, which describes cowardice or something that causes you to move into retreat. Rather than move forward, you're moving backward. You're trying to protect yourself rather than take new territory. And now Timothy, rather than being the advancing pastor that he was, is so affected by fear that he is retreating into himself. And Paul says, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of cowardice that causes you to retreat, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. But if you have a spirit of fear operating in you, you cannot operate in power, you cannot operate in love, and you cannot operate in a sound mind. The word power, as Brother Copeland has alluded to several times, is the Greek word dunamis. And most people think the word dunamis is translated dynamite, and certainly it can. But the word dunamis by itself was the very word used to describe a force of nature, like a hurricane or a tornado or a earthquake, which means when the power of God is operating inside us, we are supposed to be a spiritual earthquake with the ability to shake things up. We're to be a spiritual hurricane to blow things out of the way. But if you're operating in a spirit of fear, you can no longer operate in that. And not only that, the word dunamis is the very word which was used mostly by the Roman Empire to describe the full might of an advancing army, which means when the power of God is operating in you, you become the equivalent of a one-man army with the ability to push forward and to push darkness back. But when a spirit of fear is operating in you, you move into a retreat mode. And notice also it says that God's intention is for us to move in love. But Timothy was wounded. He was so wounded by people who had abandoned him, walked out on him, 
Now he needs to choose new leaders to replace those that have walked out. And he is so taken with hurt that he doesn't know if he can trust again. That's why in chapter 2, Paul tells him how to choose the next group of leaders. And lastly, God's intention is for us to have a sound mind. But when you have a spirit of fear, you have an unsound mind, which really describes a mind that is irrational, a mind that imagines things could happen that could never happen, not in a million years, but because a spirit of fear is operating in you, you begin to imagine all the things that could potentially happen to you, whereas a sound mind, the Greek word sophronizmos, it's a compound of the word sozo, which is where we get our word to save or to heal or to be whole or to be preserved. The word friend, which is the word for intelligence. When you compound the two words together, the word sound mind, sophronizos, describes a brain that has been delivered, a brain that has been saved, a brain that has been set free, a brain that has no restrictions. That's what God gave us. But because Timothy was operating in a spirit of fear, he was retreating. He was unable to walk in love. He couldn't walk in power. He was imagining all kinds of things that could happen to him. And then when you come to verse 8, look at verse 8. Paul says to him in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the, what? Afflictions of the gospel, and then there's those two little words again, according to, everybody say, according to the power of God. And in this verse, we find to what extent the spirit of fear has begun to control him. He is in such a retreat mode that he is tempted to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And not only that, he's putting space between him and the apostle Paul, who is his father in the faith, because Paul is in prison charged with being one of the chief arsonists. And if he remains in relationship with Paul, that could cost him his life. And when you read this in the Greek text, it's a double negative with a prohibition. It means stop it, stop it now, stop being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Stop being ashamed of me, his prisoner. And be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Well, Paul was not wishing afflictions on anybody. But the truth is, when you take a stand for what is right in a world that is wrong, sometimes you have to deal with flack. And now Paul says, be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. What's those next two words? According to... Again, the Greek word kata, the same word we saw in verse 1, which means you would translate it, being dominated, being conquered, being subjugated by the power of God, which means if you will take a stand for what is right, God's power will join itself to you. And even though you're in the midst of difficult situations, you will be dominated, conquered, and subjugated by the power of God that has come to join you in the midst of your stand. And I believe this is a very relevant message for what is ahead of the church right now. But wait, then notice what Paul says next. Paul continues, and in verse 9, he begins to discuss the gospel, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath what? Abolished death. That was a very pertinent message at that moment. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then in verse 11, Paul says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Whereunto points back to the two previous verses. Unto this glorious gospel. Unto this gospel I am appointed a preacher an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. He's magnifying his call. And then in verse 12, Paul says, for the which cause. For what cause? Because I'm appointed a preacher. Because I'm appointed to be an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Because of the call that is upon my life for the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul is sitting in prison, cannot speak one word in his defense. He's already been to trial once. You can read that in chapter 4. He says that my first defense, not one man stood with me, all men walked out on me. Then he adds, hence, nevertheless, the Lord stepped forward in my defense and I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. So Paul himself has known a little rejection. In fact, if you read on, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia have forsaken me. I don't even understand that verse. 90% of Paul's ministry took place where? Asia. That's where he did most of his ministry. And now that he is sitting in a Roman prison being charged with a fire that burned down Rome, most of those people that he worked with in Asia have abandoned him. He knows much more about abandonment than Timothy will ever know. But Paul is able to separate what is happening to him and to keep in mind that this is not something personal. This is not really me that they're after. It's the call on my life that the devil is after. For the witch cause, I'm appointed an apostle, a preacher, a teacher of the Gentiles for the witch cause. It is for this reason I'm suffering these things. The devil is after my call. And the word suffer that is used here is the Greek word pasco. The word pasco carries the idea of an emotional suffering. Paul was having to deal with the fact that people that he loved and depended on had been unfaithful to him. He was mentally trying to deal with the fact that his name now was legendary in Rome for all the wrong reasons. And Paul says, for the witch cause. It's not about me. It's not really about me. That's not me that's triggered this attack. It's the call on my life because I'm an apostle. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher of the Gentiles. For the witch cause, I'm suffering these things. Then he adds, listen to this. 
Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. Everybody say, I'm not ashamed. The word ashamed describes a person so embarrassed that their face, their face is blushed red. It means to be embarrassed, to be disgraced. Paul is sitting in prison. He knows what everybody is saying about him. And my friends, this is why it is very important for you to know something about yourself. It didn't matter what others were saying about him. He knew who he was. He knew who he was not. And he was not affected by the opinions of all the people that were speaking about him. And he said, I am not embarrassed. I am not red faced for I know, I know whom I have believed. We are living in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. As an end time generation, we are facing things we never dreamed we would face and previous generations have not ever had to deal with before. Sometimes it seems like darkness has been unleashed. And as a result, many people have been gripped with fear. Others deal with fear about their finances, their health, their family, their jobs, their future. But you do not have to give in to fear. You can learn to conquer fear and speak faith to yourself. The programs in this series are being offered as a two-message set in digital and physical formats, starting at just $20. And this series will include two study guides, how to overcome a spirit of fear and how to speak faith to yourself in troubled times. We are also offering Life in the Combat Zone, Rick's classic book that deals extensively with the situation the early church faced during the brutal days of Nero. It was a time when there was betrayal in the church, defections from the ranks, and people were troubled, but they overcame fear and learned to speak faith to themselves. They learned how to survive, thrive, and overcome in difficult situations, and Rick will show you how you can do it too. Life in the Combat Zone is available for $17. Don't miss this special offer, the series How to Overcome a Spirit of Fear and How to Speak Faith to Yourself in Troubled Times, and the book Life in the Combat Zone. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia, but we're doing it step by step. And today they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But in addition to this, there's gonna be another set over here and another set over there. So many angles and opportunities to film teaching that people can trust in this room. But of course, this is just one room. But I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this room. To think that TV programs with the Word of God are going to be filmed right here. And when I look around this room, you can see this electrical grid, grid that's gonna hold all the lights. It's on electrical pulleys, so it goes up, it goes down. It's just going to have everything we need to film the teaching of the Word of God. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is gonna be one of the smaller studios, and this is gonna be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, 
Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios? Because we're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices, and in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, working with our network. It is amazing the activity that's going to take place in this building. And it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But it's your generous gifts that have helped us to build this and we will complete it. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We wanna pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it and they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. You know, when you walk in obedience, that is what normally triggers an attack. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, verse 32, remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, that word illuminated is the Greek word fotidzo. It describes a brilliant flash of light that leaves a permanent and lasting impression, like a person that is illuminated concerning divine healing or concerning finances. And they say, wow, I believe it. I'm going to believe for my healing. I'm going to sow my finances. And they begin walking in faith and sowing their money. And then suddenly, boom, out of nowhere, it seems like they're assaulted with all kinds of crazy attacks. Well, Hebrews 10, 32 says, that's what happens when you've been illuminated. The devil will try to stop you because an illuminated person is a threat to the domain of darkness. And my friends, if you're under assault, it probably means you're moving in the right direction and you're doing something right. And the devil's trying to stop you. Don't give in to a spirit of fear and don't speak negativism. You need to overcome a spirit of fear and speak faith to yourself in troubled times. That's what this two-part series is about, which comes with a study guide. And I also want you to have my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Any Difficult Situation. And when you reach out to us, let us know how to pray for you. If you're under assault, we want to rebuke the enemy with you. Take authority over that so that that thing goes in Jesus' name. Just let us know how to pray, and we will really pray for you. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.
This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.